Welcome to the Way Ministries Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of Job. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by the Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. All right, welcome to the Coming Out of the Dark Bible Study. I want to thank everyone for coming out tonight to get a portion of God's Word. First and foremost, let's thank our Lord and Savior for today. Thank you, Jesus, for choosing us, opening our eyes spiritually, and helping us to grow. Thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit, Lord, and as the comforter, convictor, to help us, Lord. We're grateful for everything he does for us. All grace and power goes to him. Then I'd like to thank the core of the ministry, one body, as we all need each other for this to function properly. If you have a cell phone, shut it off. (laughs) Okay. I'll keep putting on silence. You might need it to read the scriptures or whatever it is. All right, let's start with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly, Gracious, Merciful Lord Jesus, we're just so grateful tonight, Lord, that we get another day of life, Lord, and an opportunity to grow, Lord, and to become more like you, Father, and to worship and to honor and to glorify you tonight and learn more about your ways, Father. Let us make your ways our ways, Lord, by making a choice every day to turn our will and our lives over to your care, Lord. Help us to put you on the throne, Lord. Help us to put you first in our lives as we all fight to do that, Lord. But through your spirit, we can succeed, Lord. Help us to make the right choices in our, in our, daily, in our daily walk, Lord, so we can honor you with lives worthy of the call, Lord. Help us to grow, Lord, by saying no to the flesh and yes to the spirit, Lord. Help us to hear your voice more clearly over the devil when he tries to tempt us, Lord, knowing that you will always provide a way of escape for us, Father. Thank you for the core of the ministry as one body with many parts as we all encourage and build each other up to never to tear each other down, Lord. To always be in your will, Lord, and in your spirit when we come so we can get a crystal clear message through your spirit in your word, Father. We pray for the people that are sick and suffering who can't be with us tonight that they have a chance to watch the live feed. And if there's anyone out there that might not have salvation, that they might find it through the through the teaching of the word of God tonight, Father. Through your word, we can bring others into your kingdom. And let everything be led by your spirit, Father, tonight, and not our flesh. And it's in Jesus' powerful name that I pray. Amen. amen and amen. All right, let's stand and worship God tonight.
Oh, until that glorious day, huh? You go home to be with him, boy. We got something to look forward to. You know, as this world grows darker and darker, we get lighter and lighter. Every day that goes by brings us another day closer to our eternal home. We know it's not going to get better down here, so we shouldn't expect it to. It's not going to get better. We're going to get better. Amen. Even though these bodies are breaking down, the Bible says our spirits are being renewed every day. Thank you, Jesus, for growing. We need to grow up spiritually for God. All right. How's everybody doing, all right? Glad I'm here. I need to be in church every day, I think. All right, let's go to uh, 2 Corinthians. Brand new. No coincidences, right? Confirmation, right, Pastor? That's right. I didn't make mine, by the way. I didn't make my confirmation. And I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> All right. Let's go there. Second Corinthians chapter 5. <laughs> All right, you know that the Holy Spirit will be taking over, so... Try to clear out your minds from today's problems and world and everything and just try to stay in the spirit so you can get the message the spirit is trying to say to the church tonight. Amen? Yeah. All right. Second Corinthians chapter 5. I can't go back, but I could always go to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and then move forward, but I'm not going to do that. My wife's giving the eye. What are you talking about? You want to stay on the coast tonight? Let's stay in five. The Holy Spirit speaking through me. <laughs> All right. New bodies. Look at that. We're just talking about that, right? So now we have to know this. So a lot of people don't really know this. This is what the sad thing about Christianity, that they really don't know the Bible. They come to church. They listen to sermons. But they're never taught to go home, open that Bible, and develop a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ isn't the picture on the wall. Jesus Christ is the Word of God. The Word became flesh. And the reason why a lot of people won't tell you to do that is because they want you to come to them for the, for the Word of God instead of you getting it yourself. There's always corporate worship, what we're doing now, but there's always the personal relationship developed because of the worship. When we're not here. Alright, look at verse 1. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. So that's the guarantee of salvation right there. We are going to be with God. He's going to prepare a place for us. We just sang this song, right? No more scars. No more pain. No more flesh to contend with. No more sin nature. You know that bitterness, that anger, that lust, the envy, the, the tearing down of people and ourselves and the beating up and the depression and all that stuff that comes into our minds each and every day will not be there anymore. Thank you. Oh. What a glorious day that will be. 
There's a song that says that, right? When we go home to be with Jesus, but a glorious day that will be, it will be. Just imagine when you wake up, none of that no more. Just you're with Jesus. That's it. You're worshiping him and you're... Every, we get along with everybody. Everybody's got the same mind, the mind of Christ. That's the whole king. That's going to be awesome. Now look what it says in verse 2. We grow weary in our present bodies. We definitely do. And we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. Now, that statement, that scripture right there, an immature believer is not longing to put on a heavenly body. They still want their body down here. They still want wealth and, and health and prosperity. They don't want to go home to be with the Lord yet. They want to enjoy their life down here. But we understand to grow spiritually, you, you, we grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies because when you live for Jesus, you suffer down here. You suffer down here for his name's sake. It's not, a, it's not a joy all the time to be down here because we're in the devil's world and he's always tempting us and he's trying to get us out of the kingdom and he's always beating us up. So that's when we say, oh, we can't wait to go home. When you're not following Jesus and you're following the devil, there's no need to go home to be with Jesus. You're having a good time down here. Eat, live, eat drink, tomorrow we die. Look at verse 3. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies, for we know that we're going to get a body. We're not going to be spirits flying around that nobody can see. We're going to be tangible. We're going to have bodies that we can see. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan inside. <laughs> oh, you know it. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. Now, look what it says in verse 5. God himself, these are right from him. God himself has prepared us for this. And as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. The guarantee that we're going to be home with him is this Holy Spirit. And what's the evidence of the Holy Spirit in you? You know you no longer want to do the things of the flesh. You want to live for the Spirit. You know you fall short. But you know your desires are changing for God over what your flesh wants. That's how you know. The evidence of salvation is to change life. Your life starts to change. You start to desire the things of God over the things of the world. And that's just a process that takes place slowly. As we slowly say, this world has nothing to offer me anymore. Amen. You know, when you first start becoming a Christian, you still do the things you used to do. Then as you grow, you say, you know what, that's not right. Yeah, yeah. You know, like the Halloween stuff and all the other crazy stuff that we used to do, even though we were Christians, we no longer do that anymore because we know that that's an evil night. That brings out the devil and the demons. So we know we don't want to be part of that because we don't want to wake up the wrong spirits again. So we stay away from it. I know I do anyway. I don't know about anybody else, but I don't feel right um, in, on that night because I know it's not of God. They're worshiping Satan. But the world is deceived by it. Well, oh, it's harmless. You go by someone's house, you see this big, huge, grim reaper with a big sickle in his hand. He wants to cut your head off. And then they show an a, a ice cream cone with a little girl's head on it and the and the clown eating it. And it's like, okay, that's, um, that's beautiful. There's no harm in that. It's crazy. It's evil. But it's, but, but it's harmless. It's harmless. And then you wonder why kids have nightmares, right? 
Okay, now look what it says. It's verse 7. For we live by believing and not by seeing. So we live by faith, not by Yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be at home with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal, look at, it's so simple to understand. Our goal is to please Him. Our goal as a Christian is to please God. And then it says in verse 10, we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. So we're going to be judged after we're saved. So what do you do with what I, the gifts I gave you? Did you use them to glorify me or yourself? You're going to have to answer for it. Then it says in verse 11, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. They look at, wow, look at that ministry. It's huge. Look at all the people. It's spectacular. But where's their heart? Their heart isn't with God. The devil's blessing that. Instead of seeing a cross, you see a globe. You say, what's wrong with this picture? It's spent, the world is spinning. This, we're not, we're getting out of the world. We're not, we're, not, we're not here with the world. We're here with Jesus tonight. Amen. Not to worship the world. So we have to understand, people are deceived by all these spectacular ministries because everybody's following it. Because everybody's following it, they think that's the truth. Well, the world is following the devil, and they think that that's true. Can I get a big amen here? And look at us. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and, and two and, and a half. <laughs> Why? Because... Ignorance is bliss. You understand? Ignorance is bliss. If they come in and understand the truth of the gospel and the word of God, that we are supposed to live right and honor God with life worthy of the call, hey, I'm going to have to give up some stuff. And I just want to go to heaven. I, I, don't want any, I don't want anything else from God but to go to heaven. I still want my RV and my camper and my good life down here. And prosperity. When it's prosperity of the spirit down here. You could be content with nothing. You don't have to have anything when you're with Jesus. You've got everything already. The world means nothing to you anymore. So that's why these scriptures, they convict. But us, they comfort. See, in the spirit, this comforts us. Saying, you know what? I've given up my whole life. Remember the, the, the apostles were saying, Jesus, what's, what, what's going to come? We gave up everything for you. Our families, our jobs, everything, Lord. And he said, don't worry about it. You're going to receive way more than that when you come home to be with me. Mansions in heaven. Streets of gold. Glorious. Amen? All right, let's get to our study. I can stay in that scripture all night right there. Oh, yeah. All right, so we're on the book of Job. Does everybody know what we are? We are such good students. 
I don't know about you, but I'm learning a lot in Job. About how to act, how to, you know, if somebody's suffering, you know, you know, because our flesh is nasty. You get what you get when you do what you do. You must be doing something. That's why God's punishing you. And like Job didn't even do anything. He was just getting tested. But boy, what a test. What a test. <laughs> All right, let me just say a couple of things. The purpose for the writing of Job, okay? The book of Job helps us to understand the following. Satan cannot bring financial and physical destruction upon us unless it's by God's permission. God has power over what Satan can and cannot do. It is beyond our human ability to understand the whys behind all the suffering in the world. The wicked will receive their just dues. We cannot always blame suffering and sin on our lifestyles. Suffering may sometimes be allowed in our lives to purify us, to test us, to teach us, or to strengthen our souls. God remains enough, and he deserves and requests our love and praise in every circumstance of our life. So it's supposed to be, thank you, Jesus, even when all hell's breaking loose. Thank you, Jesus, when things are going good. Thank you, Jesus, when things are going bad. Thank you, Jesus, every, for every breath we take. It's supposed to be, thank you, Jesus, instead of, wah, 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 wah. right? We're all getting there. We're work in progress. We can't honestly all say that we say, thank you, Jesus, all the time, because we don't, but we want to. I don't know about you, but a lot of times I say thank you, Jesus, but I'm really, you know, mad and angry. It seems to help me to get back focused again. You know, like in traffic, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for putting that drooler in front of me that just doesn't want to move. I guess it's telling me how to be patient and pray for him. Or maybe he's protecting me from an accident if I was going any faster. But it's hard for me to accept that at, you know, 7.30 in the morning, half sleeping, and needing to get to work. So now I know I have to grow spiritually, get up a little earlier. I've been working on that with my wife. To get up a little bit earlier and make allowance for that so I don't get so frustrated. Because it ain't, I just realize that it's not going away. No matter what road I go on, there's always somebody that's going to pull out in front of me and make me go under the speed limit. It's just, it's just the way it is. And I just want to go, but I don't, <laughs> thank God. I don't, need, I don't need to get any speeding tickets. I'm working on getting that fish back on my bumper and being comfortable with it on there so people can see I'm a Christian. I don't want to be you know, driving like a demon with the Christian fish on the back of my car because that's a bad representation of Jesus. So I'm not putting it on there yet. I don't think I'm worthy of it yet. I'm working on it. <laughs> Get one you can't see on there. A little one. <laughs> this big. And then get it so a little bigger one, a little bigger, a little bigger. And then a big monster one after I get, get there. But I'm a work in progress. How about you? So I just don't feel uh, uh, right by putting it on there because I'm not representing God right when I drive it. I know I'm not. And I should be. So I'm not going to um, um, 
be his ambassador while I'm driving yet. I'm not worthy of it. I'm working on it, though. Just don't go slow behind me, because I'm going to ride right up on you until you keep moving, or I pull over, either one. I'm one of them guys. My wife gets mad at me. <laughs> I, like, I try to get in the mirror and look at him like, I do, this. I do the motions and the speed limits over here. See, it's 35, not 15. Go. Sway a little bit back and forth, get frustrated, you know. <laughs> That's what happens. Then they put the brake lights on and say, yeah, I know. You caught, you caught what I was saying, right? Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> when I was, was going to do another sign language. All right, let's go to verse 8. <laughs> All right, Bildad's first response to Job. Chapter 8, verse 1. I'm sorry. Then Bildad the Shuite replied to Job, How long will you go on like this? You sound like a blustering wind. So he's calling him like a big windbag right now. Before they were comfortable, now he's just a windbag complaining. The guy's got boils all over him, right? Lost his whole family and everything. And what, what, what else would he be doing? How long will you go on like this? You sound like a blustering wind. Does God twist justice? Does the Almighty twist what is right? Look what he's saying now. Here's the assumption. Your children must have sinned against him. So their punishment was well deserved. Imagine what he said about his kids. Wow. Wow, what kind of friend would say that? As a matter of fact, Job prayed for his kids. Remember, he said, Lord, I'm praying for my children. If they're doing something that's wrong, please help them. Have mercy on them. So just imagine Job already knew that his kids were probably not doing the right thing. But to use that one. Your kids have sinned against him. Their punishment was well deserved. Now look what it says in verse 5. But if you pray to God and seek the favor of the Almighty, and if you are pure and live with integrity, he will surely rise up and restore your happy home. Now that's not a guarantee. That's a lie. Just because you live with integrity, that doesn't mean that God's going to favor you and bless you all the time. That's not true. That's not true. It says, he says right here, if you pray, he's asking for, this is what's going to happen. This is the formula. Bildad's speaking for God. He says, if you pray to God and seek the favor of the Almighty, and if you are pure and live with integrity, he will surely rise up and restore your happy home. It's not true. And though you started with the little, you'll end up with much. Just ask the previous generation. Pay attention to the experience of our ancestors. Now, before we go on, why do we live right, pray, and live with integrity? Do we do it to get favor with God, or we do it because it's the right thing to do? To do it to get favor with God is doing it with the wrong motive. You see? We live with integrity and do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. There's no reward for that, really. You're supposed to do it. That's putting conditions on God. There's no guy. He doesn't have to do that for you. I'm not saying that he won't. He might. 
But he says, I'll throw favor on anyone I choose, and I'll punish anyone I choose. You can't work for it or fate. You get no favor with me. You can come to Bible studies all your life, and I can still cause hardship if I choose. Who are you to tell me what to do? That's what he asked Job at the end, right? Job, sit down. Where were you when I put this all together for you to even complain about what's going on with you? Now look what it says. For we were born, verse 9, but yesterday and know nothing. Our days on earth are as fleeting as the shadow. That's true. But those who come before us will teach you. They will teach you the wisdom of old. Can papyrus reeds grow tall without a marsh? Can marsh grass flourish without water? Now those are no-brainer questions. You don't need God to figure that out, that if, if, you, if, you, if you take water from a plant, it's going to droop. So you, that, that doesn't give you any wisdom. While they are still flowering, not ready to, while they are still flowering, ready to be cut, they begin to wither more quickly than grass. So do you have to pray to find out how to fix that? Or just get a bucket, some water and throw it in there? The same happens, listen to this, to all who forget God. The hopes of the godless evaporate. Their confidence hangs by a thread. They are leaning on a spider's web. They cling to their home for security, but it won't last. So a lot of people cling to their possessions over God. That's what he's trying to say. But it won't last. Now let me just reiterate on verses 14 and 15. Bildad, okay, wrongly assumed that Job was trusting in something other than God for security. Okay? So he pointed out that such supports are fragile and are sure to collapse. He was saying that he was trusted in his wealth and his gains over God. And listen to that. One of the basic needs that people have is security. And many will do almost anything to feel secure. Right? Put money away. Well, for my future. For everything. They just want to feel secure. That they're going to be okay. Then guess what? I know I'm secure because I believe in Jesus. That's what secures my faith. Eventually, however, our money, possessions, knowledge, and relationships will fail or be gone at some point. Only God can give lasting security. Always remember that. What have you trusted for your security? How lasting is it? If you have a secure foundation with God, feelings of insecurity will not undermine you. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other grounds are sinking sand. Why does everybody think that they've got to find security in money? I gotta make money. I gotta have enough money. Money, money, mo money does not secure anything. Only Jesus can secure you. He can secure you physically and spiritually. Money does not secure you spiritually, that's for sure. Because you're always thinking about more and more and more, how to get more and more and more and more. And get greed. Greed, okay? Greed. It's one of the sins that God hates. And greed is from the devil, and all of us have it in us. We all have greed in us for things that we want and we like. We want more of it, 
and more of it, and we make it an idol. But, is there anything wrong with having things? No, but if God takes them, you should be okay with that too. Right? All right, so look at, <laughs> look at this. Look at verse 15. They cling to their home for security, but it won't last. They try to hold it tight, but it will not endure. The godless seem like a lush plant growing in the sunshine, its branches spreading across the garden. And it does. It seems like godless people are successful down here. They have nothing to do with God. It says it. It's true. That's true. Its roots grow down through a pile of stones, and it takes hold on a bed of rocks. But when it's uprooted, it is though it never existed. That's the end of its life, and others spring up from the earth to replace it. But look, God will not reject the person of integrity, nor will he lend a hand to the wicked. So that's true. He will once again fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouts of joy. Those who hate you will be clothed with shame, and the home of the wicked will be destroyed. And again, amen here. It is, too. You see people all the time. People in the world, they, you think that they got a happy home. There's strife in the family. There's divorces. There's suicides. And these people have millions of dollars. Millions of dollars and successful to every point, and they're recognized by everybody. And guess, and guess what? People still hang themselves, and they still commit suicide. You see it all the time. Or they're not happy in their home, and they go commit adultery and have affairs on the side. Instead of staying home with their beautiful family that they, God gave them and worshiping it, that's not enough. Their prestige isn't enough. Why? The trophy that they thought was going to secure them and make them happy wasn't enough so they have to what go for more trophies more things and more things and more things and it never ever satisfies so why would a christian go after that or follow it for that reason at all follow any of them guys because they're not they're idols there's people that idol sports people that in the sports they idolize them like they're gods they get a trophy they kiss it I watch it on TV. They're kissing the trophy. And they all kiss it. It's like, yeah, that's gross. It's a hunk of steel. That's they're kissing it like it's, it's, it's God. It's what? Well, I'll tell you what. I don't follow it and I won't because that, that's, that's idol. That's idolatry. That's what it is. There's only one thing I should follow. Jesus. That, that I have no interest in that. Don't get me wrong. I watch it here and there. I like watching a game of golf. I like the, the, how, how, how they get the ball so, that little ball so close to the cup. When I hit it in the trees all the time. So I know it's going to be doing something right. But even after that, after they win, they do the same thing and kiss that stupid thing. They put the green jacket on. Yeah, I got it going on. It's funny though, when they hit the ball and it goes over the other side of the, the fairway, nobody gets mad, nobody says anything. They make mistakes too. It hits the crowd of people and everything, you know what I mean? You know, they, they, they take the camera off of that part of it. 
they don't want anybody to know that he's a human being too and he screws up. It's funny. All right, let's go on to, let's, before we go, let's, let's, listen, before we go on, let me just say this. Bildad was upset that Job still claimed innocence while questioning God's justice, okay? The basis of Bildad's argument, the justice of God, was sound, but his idea of God's justice was not sound, okay? Bildad's argument went like this. God cannot be unjust, and God would not punish a just man. Therefore, Job must be unjust. So he judged him, right? Bildad felt there were no exceptions to his theory. Like Eliphaz, Bildad wrongly assumed that people suffer only as a result of their sins. And Bildad was even less sensitive and compassionate, saying that Job's children had died because of their wickedness. Come on now, what kind of, what kind of friend is that? Oh my goodness. All right, let's go to chapter 9. Moving right along here. So now we know, if somebody's suffering, don't judge them. Don't say, well, they must be doing something secret. They must be doing something wrong. God's getting them. Because guess what? God will turn around and put it on you. He said he would to do that. It's called, what do they call that? Malice. Or vengeance on your, somebody that you don't like. Say, good, they got it. They finally got it back. Ooh, that's not good. Because I know when I wake up, like I said, I clean the slate with everybody. By the way, I wash my wife's feet. I hope, did I? I did it. I got the bucket. Filled it up with water. Threw some soap in it. Got my little squishy. Put a clothespin on. And a gas mask. Uh, no, my wife, she's got good feet. They didn't stink. So that was, that, was e that was easy for me. And I dried them off with a towel. And I, I, you know what? I, just ha I, you know, I wasn't going to do it. I, it took me a few days. But then I get, kept getting convicted. I said I was going to do it. I got to do it. And, and, and just, you know, getting her a coffee wasn't the same. So washing the feet was what I did. And that was very humbling. Because I know she would do it for me. Amen. She would do it for me. So. But she didn't, but she would. <laughs> she was loving it. She wants to put her feet in the thing, nice, nice. Oh, look at him. On my knees, washing her feet. She was loving it. It's just an illustration of to, to serve some, to help, to, to do something that, because you love them. And it's not, it doesn't have to be something that you would like because you like it. You do it because you love them. Right. You were gentle, right? I was gentle, right? <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I, you know, I, I get my hands and I can be rough at times. But I did it because, I, listen, I did it because I loved it. If I was mad at it, it would have been different. I would have got the... I'll wash your feet, all right? Let me get that nasty corn out of there for you. I'll get it with a piece of sandpaper. And I would never do that. Oh, I didn't never say never. 
Don't give and give a foothold to the devil because that's what he does. All right, Job chapter 9. I'm really enjoying this study. I really am. People don't know what they're missing, you know, when they don't come. Uh, there's people, I guarantee you, that are watching the live feed somewhere that wish they could be in church. They have nowhere to go. And it's just that because it's so convenient, they don't, you know. It, that's, yeah. So you just, you just have to. The angels are definitely here and the people who wanted are here. If, 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 I, if it was for the people who needed it, the pews would be full and out the door. But it's for the people who want it to learn more about God. And God blesses us. For, see, the more we know him, it doesn't take away our joy. It gives us joy because we know that now we understand what happens and why it happens. We understand it. If you never get educated or understand how God works, you'll get mad at God. you get mad at people all the time. And your flesh will always operate. You'll never go in the spirit because you're not taught. How about a big amen there? All right, Job's third speech, a response to Bildad. Then Job spoke again. Yes, I know all this is a true, true in principle, which it is true in principle. But how can a person be declared innocent in God's sight? So Job's saying nobody's innocent completely in God's sight. Thought, word, and deed, we all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. All of us have. The Bible says that. No, not one is righteous. No, not one. All have sinned. All have, uh, have found unrighteous. So look at verse 3. If someone wanted to take God to court, <laughs> would it be possible to answer him even once a thousand time, in a thousand times? For God is so wise and so mighty, who has ever challenged him successfully. Now, Job didn't claim to be perfect. He didn't. But he did claim to be good and faithful. And he was. He was good and he was faithful to God. He never said he was perfect. While Job showed impatience towards God, he did not reject or curse God, ever. Never. Even though he couldn't understand God, he never what? Grieved God. He just, he was, he was, he being human. There's nothing wrong with being human as a Christian. God wants us to be real with him. But when you start cursing him and saying, no, oh, I don't want that. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> All right, listen, verse 5. Without warning, he moves the mountains, overturning them in his anger. He does that, right? Nobody knows when a volcano is going to erupt. Nobody's going to know when, the, when, the, when those, those wildfires come. Nobody knows when they're going to come. Nobody knows when a tornado is going to hit. Nobody knows. God knows. Without warning, he moves the mountains, overturning him with his anger. He shakes the earth from its place, and its foundations tremble. If he commands it, the sun won't rise, and the stars won't shine. He alone has spread out the heavens and marches on the waves of the sea. Now, all you scientists, if there's a scientist watching right now, wondering where these came from, it says right here, verse 9, He made 
all the stars. The bear and Orion, the Pleiades, and the constellations of the southern sky. Where did all that come from? The Bible says that God made it. Why is it so hard to just believe that? There is no other explanation how it got here. The bear, Orion, and the Pleiades are patterns of stars. That's what they are. And the people go up there, that's what the astrology is. The patterns of the stars, Aries, and all that stuff. They, the stars are connecting. He performs, look at it says, he does great things too marvelous to understand. He performs countless miracles. Yet, when he comes near, listen to this, I can't see him. When he moves by, I do not see him go. If he snatches someone in death, who can stop him? Who dares to ask, what are you doing? <laughs> A lot of people do that. How many people ask God, question God? Now listen. And look at verse 13. And God does not restrain his anger. Even the monsters of the sea. Or Hebrews, the helpers of Rahab. The name of the mythical sea monster that represents chaos in ancient literature. Okay? Wow. Yep. Are crushed beneath his feet. So whom am I that I should try to answer God or even reason with him? Even if I were right, I would have no defense. I could only plead for mercy. And even if I summoned him and he responded, I'm not sure he would listen to me. So Job wasn't fully understanding. No. He will listen to me. For he attacks me with the storm and repeatedly wounds me without cause. He will not let me catch my breath, but fills me instead with bitter sorrows. Who's the one who fills us with bitter sorrows? You can blame the devil all you want. God's the one who does it. If it's a question of strength, he's the strong one. If it's a matter of justice, who dares to summon him to court? Though I am innocent, my own mouth would pronounce me guilty. <laughs> Job. Though I am blameless, would prove though I though I am blameless would prove me wicked. See it? Though I am blameless, would prove me wicked. I am innocent, but it makes no difference to me. I despise my life. <sighs> How many of us in that can honestly say they never said that? <laughs> Anybody over here? Even the angels are saying, no, no. All right, before we go on, listen. Though I am innocent, my own mouth will pronounce me guilty. Job was saying, in spite of my good life, God is, to is determined to condemn me. Okay? As his suffering continued, he became more impatient. 
Although Job remained loyal to God, listen now, he made statements he would later regret. In times of extended sickness or prolonged pain, it is natural for people to doubt, to despair, or to become impatient. During those times, people who are suffering need someone to listen to them and to help them work through their feelings and frustrations. Reach out and visit those who are desperate in desperate situations. Your patience with their impatience will help them. That's one thing about Christians, that we're supposed to comfort each other and reach out to other people and talk to people. That's what we do all the time. Yeah, I do anyway. I, I ask people how they're doing all the time. And if they need a prayer, pray for them. We don't just sit here, get fed, and go and do our thing. We get here, we get fed so we can help people. There's people in church that are way weaker than we are. He, this is the core of the ministry. The core of the ministry is supposed to help those who can't help themselves. He's got us to a special call. We are bigger feet washers than the regular people that come. We are, he called us to a higher call. That's why we're here reading the Bible, studying the Bible. God called us to this so we could be of service to the congregation. They don't serve us, we serve them. So the people who are here, the weaker vessel, we're their strength and their hope because they don't see what we see. They're not getting what we're getting. We know God better than they do because we study the Word of God. He's given us more wisdom, more knowledge to help the people in the church. We're the vessels. We don't condemn them because they're not here. We have to what? Be the ones that fight for them. When you go to war, the soldiers of the country, they don't say, well, you didn't enlist. I'm not helping you. They fight for everyone in the country. We're enlisted in God's army. We fight for the people who can't fight for themselves. That the devil's beating up all the time. We intercede on their behalf. Can I get an amen here? We're supposed to be of service. Not get served. Big amen there. Now look at verse 22. And that's why you'll see miserable Christians in the pews. Not joyful and happy anymore. Why? Because they're not doing anything what God's given them to do. They're not using their abilities in God's kingdom, in his house, for any other reasons but their own gain. And they're becoming pregnant and never giving birth. And God's going to put his hand on it. So I'm not going to give you more until you go out and help people. What you're called to do. You're supposed to become like me. Jesus helped those who couldn't help themselves. And that's what? A lot of the people, because they don't know. Well, I don't care. All right, let's keep going here. In it, verse 22, innocent or wicked, it's all the same to God. That's why I say he destroys both the blameless and the wicked. When a plague or disaster sweeps through, he laughs at the death of the innocent. The whole earth is in the hands of the wicked, and God blinds the eyes of the judges. If he's not the one who does it, who is? My life passes more swiftly than a runner. 
it flees away without a glimpse of happiness. He's in a deep depression right now. Can you blame him? Has anybody in here ever been in a depression? Then you can relate to Job, right? Not everybody's saying, thank you, Jesus, when you're in a depression. <laughs> the feelings get the best of us, right? When we're depressed. Our emotions take over. Now it says, verse 25, My life passes more swiftly than a runner. It flees away without a glimpse of happiness. It disappears like a swift papyrus bow, like an eagle swooping down on its prey. If I decided to forget my complaints, to put away my sad face and be cheerful, I would still dread all the pain. For I know you will not find me innocent, O oh God. Whatever happens, I will be found guilty, so what's the use of trying? Oh, the poor me syndrome, right? I'm not even going to try. I'm guilty, you hate me, and I'm done. Even if I were to wash myself with soap and clean my hands with lye, you would plunge me into a muddy ditch, and my own filthy clothing would hate me. Job is in bad space right now, right? He's in a bad way. How can you blame him, though? Nothing's in other words, like these days are going by. Nothing's, nothing's, it's not coming up. The season's not changing. He's saying, when's this going to be over? And it's not over. How many of us do the same thing, right? Look what it says. God is not a mortal like me, so I cannot argue with him or take him to trial. If only there were a mediator between us Someone who could bring us together. Guess what? He didn't have the mediator. We do. We have Jesus. He fights. He's our, he's our advocate. He pleads our case before the Father. So guess what? So when God puts us through the trials, Jesus is the one that can advocate for us and say, All right, Father, Dad, they've had enough, Lord. Please, Dad, go easy on them. Job didn't have that. Job didn't have that. Nobody could persuade the father. You know what I mean? They didn't have Jesus. We got Jesus now to plead the case. Look, you know, come on, give him a break. He didn't get no breaks. Look what it said. The mediator could make God stop beating me. See what I'm saying? He could make him stop beating me, and I would no longer live in terror of his punishment. Then I could speak to him without fear, but I cannot do that in my own strength. See, we can go speak to God without fear now, no matter what's going on with us. We don't have to be afraid of God no more. He's, not, he's a friend of ours now. Job didn't have what we have. All the more we shouldn't complain. Half the stuff that he had, and we complain more than him. All right, before we close, Bildad said nothing new to Job, okay? Job knew that the wicked ultimately perish. But his situation confused him. Why then was he perishing? He couldn't figure it out. Job didn't think his life warranted such suffering, so he wanted his case presented before God. So he, Job did an examination on himself and said, I find no reason that I have to be going through this, anything on my part. So I need somebody to plead my case for me, for God, because I, I didn't do anything wrong. And he wanted somebody to do that for him. He didn't have anybody, so he couldn't do it. Just imagine how frustrating that is. Yeah. 
How many times do we get suffer when we know we're living right, doing the right thing, and still getting bombarded with problems? That's just the way it works. That's the way, that's the way life is. He recognized, however, that arguing with God would be futile and unproductive. You can't argue with, you can't, it's not going to change anything to argue with God. The only thing that's going to change it is submission and asking for mercy. God, have mercy on me. Instead of saying, I didn't do anything wrong, that's a prideful statement in itself. You know there must have been something that you did anyway that you don't know about. God knows everything we do. We don't even know our own hearts. He knows there was something that's causing it. And even if not, he's refining us even more to complain about anything. He's trying to make us more like Jesus. All right, we're going to stop there. When we get back together, I already went over time. Wayne, come on up and close us. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord, please bless Pastor John and Lori. Give them the strength. Keep them safe from the schemes of the devil. Bless all my brothers and sisters in this ministry, Lord. Watch over them, guide them. Keep us all rooted in the word, Lord. The adversities Job went through was unbelievable. And he never doubted the Lord. When we wake up every day and we open our eyes, we should give uh, thanks to our Lord Jesus for giving us another day of life. We need all this. We need each other in this ministry, Lord. We are a family, a true family. We have to be rooted in the word. We have to help people and help others. And that's when we get the joy in our hearts. Yes. And I, I want to give us all safe travel and mercies. And may God bless us all. And have, uh, have a good evening. Amen. Amen. Yeah. All right. Thanks, man. All right. We're going to watch a video and close.